0: All right, my friends, thanks for tuning into the podcast, where, as always, we'll discuss the professional literature and the evidence-based protocol as they relate to the effective treatment of clinically significant anxiety symptoms. I'm Chris Lines, licensed psychotherapist and OCD spectrum disorders treatment specialist. And this, well, this is OCD Straight Talk. Like, I think it's true that a lot of people who have uh, OCD experience, um, you might say panic-like symptoms when they have intrusive thoughts and and they might report that they have panic attacks. And that's not uncommon. And for some clinicians, we might start to think, oh, it's panic disorder, right? But when you get into the specifics of it, no, it's not really panic disorder, right? We're not talking about panic disorder. We're talking about something like obsessive compulsive disorder in all likelihood. And maybe you say, well, what's the difference? And it's an important question because, look, at the end of the day, the treatment for panic disorder is interoceptive exposure therapy, whereas the treatment for OCD is a combination of in vivo exposure therapy and imaginal exposure therapy. And maybe you say, well, it's all exposure therapy. What the hell's the difference? What does it matter? And I suppose to a certain extent, That's a valid objection. But it really does matter because interoceptive exposure therapy is fundamentally about exposing ourselves to anxiety-producing physiological sensations. It's a focus on the sensations that tend to happen when we're having (laughs) panic attacks. You know, individuals, say, for example, who are having panic attacks might experience hyperventilation they might experience increased heart rate they might experience um palm sweatiness or some amount of dizziness and a host of other kinds of physiological sensations or experiences and the point of the matter is these sensations become so associated with the the experience of panic attacks that when these Sensations happen for these individuals, even when they're not anxious, those sensations tend to elicit or bring about the onset of a panic attack. And so the treatment becomes uh, uh, manufacturing these sensations as a way of exposing ourselves prolongedly and repeatedly to these sensations in order to treat the anxiety associated with them, hence interoceptive exposure therapy. But for OCD, we're not talking about physiological sensations so much. Now, is there an an exception to that rule here or there? Yeah, absolutely. But by and large, we're not talking about physiological sensations that elicit an anxiety response within the construct of OCD we're talking about intrusive thoughts, unwanted thoughts or obsessions that are happening within the context of situations. I touch a doorknob, for example, in a public place and I have the intrusive thought, I'm dirty, I'm gonna get sick, etc. whatever it might be, something like this, that intrusive thought causes a certain amount of anxiety. On a Sud scale, subjective units of distress scale, we might say it's a sixty. It's a it's a fifty-five. It's a fair amount of anxiety, but I'm not at a panic level. And so then I go ahead and wash my hands as a way of managing that anxiety and as a way of getting rid of that intrusive thought or or uh or mitigating or neutralizing the feared outcome. And and as I engage that compulsion. Uh, my anxiety indeed um, tends to to uh, to reduce in severity, and the the thought sort of evaporates to a certain degree. I feel much better, and of course, I'm thereby sort of encouraged or or conditioned, if you will, to engage that sort of behavior the next time I have intrusive thoughts and and feel anxiety. You see the point. It's different than this idea where I, I I feel my heart is is maybe beating a little bit faster than I think it should be. and boom, it elicits a panic attack. It's different. You might say, well, there's a lot of overlap there. and i suppose I suppose if you're looking at that scenario from an informed perspective, if you're if you're if you're expert in this area you might say yeah there's a good amount of overlap there but if you're looking at this from a novice point of view where ignorance is your platform and and you're not really sure what you're talking about i would disagree with you no there's an important difference between panic disorder and ocd not just in terms of how the symptoms function, but really specifically in terms of the treatment process. So it's true that some individuals with OCD have panic attacks or at least report having panic attacks. The question, though, that they might raise after saying this is, well, what exactly is a panic attack? And it's a good question. And I, I to a certain extent, I think it's a little bit hard to answer the question in in objective and, and concrete terms. But the, the sort of best description that can be given is first and foremost, it's a it's an experience of a sudden rush of intense anxiety in which we're we're experiencing uh a number of physiological sensations you know from like i say sweaty hands to increased heart rate to hyperventilation feelings of of uh, of unrealness being outside of ourselves the feeling that i'm going to die these kinds of of uh of feelings and physiological experiences that are going along with extremely intense anxiety. For a lot of people, the panic attacks seem to come out of nowhere. They seem to be unpredictable and sudden. Lots and lots of people without panic disorder have panic attacks. The difference between panic attacks as these isolated, albeit somewhat common, experiences and the actual diagnosis of panic disorder (laughs) <laughs> is what you might say, the fear of fear, right? Where we're talking about anticipatory anxiety about the next panic attack. So we're not just talking about more than one panic attack within a 30-day period of time, two or, or three or, or four, or in some cases, daily panic attacks uh, through the course of a month. But the anticipatory anxiety that says, I'm constantly and de- uh, debilitatingly anxious about when and where the next panic attack is going to occur, right? So I'm constantly uh, sort of uh, um, uh, concerned and, and worried and um uh, about this this next attack and so then what you begin to have is uh, some avoidance patterns and and avoidance behaviors where I'm avoiding increased heart rate. I'm avoiding increased respiration. so I don't really exercise anymore. I don't really engage in in sexual activities anymore I I, I don't really, um, climb the steps. I use the elevator, whatever it is, because I find that when I have increased heart rate, it shoots my anxiety way up and, and so on. Right. So you have these sort of, um, uh, avoidance patterns, established and ingrained, prolonged, um, habits of avoidance as a way of attempting to manage the anxiety. Of course, for these individuals, that's a, that's, that's a, it's a failed endeavor because the the panic disorder finds a way to continue producing the fruit of panic attacks. You know, and so there's there's a difference between something like panic disorder and OCD, but again, individuals with OCD can experience panic like symptoms when they have their intrusive thoughts. But I think that there's an important difference to be able to say, well, okay. Uh, and and that important difference, like I say, is that the anxiety is brought about by intrusive thought. So oftentimes, when individuals will report to me that, well, I have, you know, I have panic attacks, and I'm assessing for panic disorder, and I'll walk through the diagnostic criteria for panic disorder. That one of the main questions I'm asking is, what brings about the anxiety for you? Is it is it physiological sensations or is it unwanted thoughts? And generally speaking individuals, they know right away. Oh, 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 no, no, it's the unwanted thoughts. It's the obsessions. Oh yeah. All day long. They know that they might have panic attacks two or three times a week. And it sounds for sure like it's panic disorder. And they're surely anxious about the next time they're going to have panic attacks. And that sounds like panic disorder, you know, and they're engaging these sort of compulsive behaviors of, of avoidance and seeking reassurance and all this stuff. And, and I suppose to a certain extent that still sounds like panic disorder, but. It isn't because we're not talking about the, if you will, the fear of physiological sensations and anticipatory anxiety about the next time those physiological sensations will occur. In other words, we're not talking about fear of fear, anxiety about anxiety. We're talking about anxiety about the obsessions. It's the unwanted thoughts, which is fundamentally different. And then the treatment for the two, well, one is interoceptive exposure therapy. Interoceptive exposure therapy is exposure um, uh, uh, to anxiety-producing physiological sensations, right? So we're, we're working actually to increase the heart rate on purpose. We're working to to elicit dizziness on purpose. Right. And we're doing this prolongedly and repeatedly. We're trying to drain all of the anxiety out of the dizziness and work to, to be able to tolerate dizziness and, and and a certain amount of anxiety that might be elicited by or associated with dizziness. But ultimately stopping any kind of avoidance patterns and ritualistic behaviors associated with the attempt of managing that distress. We don't need to manage the distress. Let the distress manage itself. You manage the behaviors, right? And that sounds a little bit like OCD. I've I've said that to you many, many times. You focus on stopping the behaviors. Let the intrusive thoughts happen. Mind your business, right? Let the anxiety run wild. Who cares? Let it happen. You can't control that stuff anyway. You focus on where you have control, which is behavioral choices. Whereas OCD is not so much about interoceptive exposure therapy, the effective treatment for OCD is a combination of in vivo exposure therapy and imaginal exposure therapy. In vivo just meaning real life. And imaginal exposure therapy, it's a bit more of a complicated explanation, but it's generally speaking, generally speaking the idea where we're 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 writing a story. and and you, and you might say it's imaginary. Yeah, it's an imaginary story. It's not real, but it's a story in which our deepest fears are unearthed and realized in the storyline. right? And and what we're doing is we're, we're intentionally bringing out the obsessions. This isn't about physiological sensations. Now, maybe there are some, uh, you know, wise guys and gals out there asking, well, are there any exceptions? Aren't there some OCDers who are afraid of physiological sensations? Well, I suppose there's an exception to any rule. You think of something like POCD and individuals might be afraid of having Sexual experiences, I should say, sensations in the context of interacting with children. So there's a physiological sensation. I feel aroused. But notice for these individuals, that means something. In other words, there's mental commentary that rushes to give meaning to that sensation. It's not just the sensation itself. That is anxiety-producing. It's the meaning that the thought gives to the sensation. You must be a pedophile since you're aroused, this kind of thing. So you're back to actually, it's obsessional, the anxiety production. It's not so much physiologic. Either way, though, and this is, and this is the truth, either way, whether we're talking about interoceptive exposure therapy or imaginal or in vivo exposure therapy, whatever it is that we're talking about. As I've said to you many times, you're not doing exposure therapy if you're also doing compulsions. And maybe you say, well, Chris, if it's panic disorder, I'm not doing compulsions. And that's fine, you can say what you wish, but again, there's this important overlap that I, I discussed earlier. And the, fundamentally, the way that the anxiety system works, whether we're talking about separation anxiety or talking about um, generalized anxiety or, or specific phobia like the fear of spiders or heights, or we're talking about panic disorder or um, OCD, whatever it might be, fundamentally, you could make the argument that it is all OCD. You could make the argument, and, and maybe in coming episodes, I'll do exactly that that I'll show you how all of it really can be viewed through the lens of obsessive compulsive disorder. And maybe that's a bit of a mind bender for some people, but the point of the matter is it's actually a beautiful message because all of a sudden, all this shit becomes quite simple. It's all quite simple when it's viewed through the lens of one disorder, one. And and if you can master one disorder then all of a sudden you're competent in a variety of areas that's really good news right so it's it's ultimately about identifying and stopping ritualistic or compulsive behaviors and if you're not doing that if you're just sort of like white knuckling it and and coping with the anxiety through the exposure you're bouncing your leg and you're biting your nails and you're you're shifting your eyes and you're walking out of the room and, and you're you're distracting yourself with conversation or watching TV while while you're doing the exposure or whatever it is, dude, you're cheating yourself. You're not doing anything. You're not doing exposure therapy if you're also doing compulsions, which raises that question. Well, Chris, what are my compulsions? Dude, I don't know, man. I don't know. I mean, I I can't I can't answer that question for you, but this is why I always harp on this idea you have to identify your compulsions you have to do that that's not something that i can do for you i can define a compulsion which i've done on a variety of occasions i can give you examples of micro and macro compulsions as i've done on a variety of occasions but at the end of the day i've told you that compulsions hide in plain sight how am i going to tell you what what yours are i'm busy working on what mine are right I don't know what yours are. We all have to to roll up our sleeves, dig in there, and find them. Walk into this conversation with your eyes open and your mind engaged. You have to be thinking about why am I doing this behavior? What am I doing right now to try and manage my anxiety? Your anxiety doesn't need you to manage it. It can manage itself. It can manage itself. You need to focus on where you have control. Identify and stop the behaviors that you're engaging for the purpose of reducing your anxiety or neutralizing your feared outcomes. Thanks very much, my friends, for checking out the podcast. Feel free to reach out with any questions you might have to chrislines04 at gmail.com. And thanks for checking out OCD Straight Talk. Well, that's it for another episode of OCD Straight Talk. Feel free to reach out with any questions you might have to chrislines04 at gmail.com. If you found the podcast helpful, consider giving it a five-star rating or support OCD Straight Talk to help us produce more content.